the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to hear and apply his word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, slap three people, high five, and say new levels. Amen. We are going to new levels, new levels of new levels of the anointing. Amen. How many of you want new levels of the anointing? How many of you want, you know, new levels in your relationships, new levels in your career? You know, God says we can have it. It's part of his plan for us to ever be increasing, for him to ever take us from glory to glory to glory, from strength to strength. We ought not stay babes in Christ, but we ought to grow and mature and become strong so we can turn around and help up the next child of God who's just coming into the kingdom. That's the will of God, that we would get grown up and turn around and pull someone else to the level that we just learned. Amen? And then we step up, and what do we do? Pull them up to that level. Then we step up, pull somebody up to that level. Amen? That's the will of God, not just for pastors. That's the will of God for you. My job is to equip you. Your job is to do the work of the ministry. The Bible says that he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some, some uh, evangelists, and some teachers. In order to what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So God has given, given me to you as a gift to grow you up. I'm not trying to say I'm God's gift, but hey, that's what the Bible says. Amen. Y'all know I'm just playing. But I've been given to you as a gift to grow you up. Pastor Carolyn's been given to you as a gift to grow you up. Amen. For firm foundation. Um, Dwight has been given to you as a gift to grow you up. Pastor Robert, to grow you up. Amen. For ministry development, for leadership development, to grow you up. It's important. I don't just stand up here and tell you to please come to class on Sunday morning just because I want the class to be full. It's because I designed that curriculum because I want you to grow. And you can, the only way that you grow is through the Word of God. Amen. So you got to get that foundation in His Word so that you can build on it, build a life, a family. That reflects God. Amen? Amen. That'll stand through every storm. So we've had a year of, of incredible breakthrough. We declared in the beginning of the year this would be a year of incredible breakthrough. And we've stayed on that. This is the only time in my life I've ever preached an entire series for a whole year. One series for an entire year. And I'm so excited about it. This month is, you know, we started with what? Y'all help me. I have to do it every week because it's fun. Jubilee January, favored in February, miraculous March, amazing life April, momentum May, just do it June, Jehovah Jireh July, apple of his eye August, stretch out September, overflow October, new levels November, and December will be next Sunday, which is going to be declare it December. Amen. And we'll talk about that because it's so important. But we're in New Levels November, and this is lesson number four and the final one of New Levels. But I feel like it's going to kind of go over into December a little bit. The two are going to kind of bleed over. So let's look at New Levels. New Levels. Here's our foundational text. Philippians 3.13. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing 
I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward or the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So God is calling us upward. Amen. Whatever level you're at, believe me, there's another level. All right, Paul visited the third heaven. I hadn't visited there yet. Amen. Amen. Come on. There's, there's more levels in God. And uh, Isaiah 43, 18 says, Do not remember the, for, the former things, nor consider the things of old. you got to let go of the old stuff. you got to let go of stuff that, you, that you're still tripping on that happened last week, last month, last year. 20 years ago, you're still holding on and tripping on stuff that happened a long time ago you got to let some things go so you can press into what God has for you now. Stuff that's had a hold of you like you need to be delivered from, like stuff that's just, you know, you just can't seem to shake that thing. you got to, God is saying, put that in the rear view so you can press towards better things that I have for you. You have to let go of the old so you can reach for the new. Amen. And so he's saying, don't consider the things of old. Let that, even mistakes that we made, you got to know how to get up from a mistake and move forward. Even mistakes that were your fault. Okay, there's no shame in my game. Shame and embarrassment is a choice. Choose to hold your head up high and move on from it. Hunt your neighbor and say, you got to move on from it. Nor consider the things of old. Look what he says in verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it or can't you see it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get you to that next level. I can do things that that you can't even imagine to get you to that level that that you have in your heart, that maybe it's a dream that you've got on the shelf. You need to take it out and dust it off. Amen. You dreamed once of going to college or you dreamed once of having this career or that career. God says, you can still have it. You can still have it. He's able to make that happen for you. He said, I'll make a road in the wilderness. There ain't never been a road there before. I'll do something that's never been done before. And rivers in the desert, that's impossible. Desert, rivers, they don't go together. But God says, I'll make a river right through the desert for you if I have to to get this new level to you. But you have to do your part of the pressing. Amen. Psalm 81.10, God says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. See, I think the problem is we might have our mouths closed. We're not expecting anything from God. You know, give God a bigger bag. Give him a bigger bag. You know, some of us are taking him a baggie. Some of us are, you know, we're taking him, you know, just a little, you know, garbage can bag. You know, God says, get something so big. You guys say, hey, get that the end of this. Amen. And bring God a bag like that for him to fill. He's able to fill it. Amen. Open your mouths wide and I will fill it. Look what he says in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. So to the degree that we will hunger and thirst after God, he will fill us. But it starts with our hunger. God is always like a checker player. It's, he won't move if it's your turn. So we got to develop our hunger. you got to say, Lord, deve- make me more hungry for more of you or for whatever it is. Amen? That, make me hungry for it. Make me, make me just be like, I will not be denied. 
I will not stay at this level. I will not be denied. We read a scripture last week where God said, you've been at this mountain long enough. Why are you crying to me? Tell the children of Israel to move forward. Go ahead and move forward. It might be your move. Amen. So the degree that you'll hunger and thirst, God will fill us. Number two, pressing for new levels because we have to do our part. Pressing for new levels. Fifteen years ago, Fred Price spoke a prophetic word over my life. And it's for a new level in my life that, that, that the dam would break and I would be able to minister the word and that people would come. This is 15 years ago, y'all. I wasn't preaching. Tracy was here. I wasn't preaching. But God, I mean, every now and then I preach at our women's, our, our women's ministry, but I wasn't doing a whole lot of preaching. I taught class, but I didn't see myself as a big preacher. You know, I didn't see myself as that. That's 15 years ago. I was only 40 years old. I thought about that last night. I was only 40 years old when God said that. I'm 55 now. Thanks, babe. (laughs) So don't get down on yourself if it seems like it's taken a long time. I was 40. I'm 55 now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just don't quit. Don't get down on yourself. Sometimes the good stuff takes a while. Just hang on there. So so here's some of the things that we got to do as we're pressing for a new level. The first thing is document it. Document it. Okay. All right. Y'all write that down. I'll be right back. (laughs) Look, I cut my picture out and put it right in the middle. See, so I could see it. You have to document it. You have to write it down. I had to look at it. I had to be able to see myself there preaching the word. Amen. I had to see myself amongst the people that God said I would be like. I had to put a picture in front of my eyes. If you're going to go to that level, you got to document it. You got to write. Something happens when you write it down or you make a picture or you make a vision board. It becomes a little bit more real. I hadn't been asked to speak anywhere when I did this. But I put it on the wall so I could look at it and say, yeah, yeah, it looks right. Looks good. Amen. So you you got a document. Just said it right there, babe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so you have to document it, your goals and your visions. Look at Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3. It says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. That's plain. That he may run who reads it? That he may run who reads it. You got to write it. You're the runner. You got to write it so you can run with it. Amen. So it says, verse three, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. Would you underline that? Because, you know, I've had to minister to myself over the years about this appointed time thing, because I thought it should have been time long time ago. And if it was up to me, I would have already been there. But see, God knows a whole lot more than what I know. He scheduled it. He scheduled it. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm ready for the schedule. Yeah. Amen? Amen. So, so it's for an appointed time. It is scheduled for me. This is. Amen. There's a rising up that he tied to my life. And as long as I don't quit, I'm going to walk right into it. 
Amen. Amen. All right. So vision boards, we usually do those at the first of the year. But, you know, they, they move and change so much. And I usually end up putting mine behind the door so it's out of the way. Or I end up moving it somewhere. I had one I carried around for, you know, a couple of years to make them real big. And, you know, but so I've changed the way that I do it. I have a little journal, and I was supposed to bring it, but I, I left it. I forgot it. But anyway, a journal. I keep a journal every single day for the prayer call. And this has been one of the most life-changing things I've done over the last year, year and a half, is having a journal. This journal makes me a better pastor. This journal makes me a better prayer warrior. When I write down, I'm constantly writing things down in it because I've, I've learned that power in my meditation process. Yes. This is the meditation component of who we are as children of God. He made us with, with an imagination. He made us with um, a mind, a will, an intellect, and logic. He created us that way, that we need to be able to look at it and, and meditate on it. It's part of the process, so you have to write it so you can meditate on it it day and night so that you can make your your own way prosperous is what he says that we'll do that we'll make our own way prosperous so so I a journal has been just life-changing for me rather than having you know and every day I put the date down I put what the month is because he said we're going to write new chapters literally every month I have written a new chapter this is new levels November and then I, I write down our foundational text every day I write the same scripture for the month why? That's how I learned. When I first got saved, I was so hungry for God's word that I wrote scriptures out longhand. When I moved, I had a stack of papers, no lie, this, this tall, that was just where I'd go get some computer paper and I would just start writing down scriptures longhand. Why? I was just downloading my computer. Yeah. If the dam was going to break one day, come on, you got to load it. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to come out? Amen. What you put in. And so, you know, his word, David said, his word, have I written on my heart that I might not sin against him? So I write the scripture down every day, and then I write down whatever scriptures God puts on my heart. I look them up. I study. And then that's what I use on the prayer call to minister to you. And then it just begins to flow out. Was anybody on the prayer call yesterday? Whoa. We had 22 people on the call yesterday, and the spirit of God broke out on the prayer call. The spirit of God was so strong, nobody wanted to hang up the phone. We sat on the call like, what, 50 minutes? Yeah, it was almost an hour that we could not hang up because the power of God was so strong. Hallelujah. So if you haven't been on the prayer call, look on the back of your note sheet. It'll tell you how to, to um, um, use your phone by just using your phone. You can text, you know, 97,000 to XLR8. So you can be on the prayer call. But, but it, has, it has really helped me. So maybe sticky notes work better for you. Whatever works for you. There's like about a dozen or more apps you can download to, to kind of keep yourself, um, you know, writing down things. You can write down goals. You can write down dreams. You can write down visions. You can, as it, as it grows, you want to be able to shift that thing. Amen? You want to make pictures of, of things that are so big. See, the difference between a goal and a, and, a, and a dream or a vision from God is a goal has a, a measure. It's a measurable um, distance. It's a, it's a measurable goal. Okay, if I do this, this, and this, and this, I'll hit it, right? And then you got to be disciplined to do what it takes to reach those goals. That's the difference between a goal and a vision. A vision, God's got to get involved. You can't do it yourself. God, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to unfold this. You're going to have to open that door. It's just up to you to keep walking it and keep looking at the vision. Does that make sense, y'all? 
And then you got to have um, um, habits, your daily routine has to reflect those goals because you have to put, if you've got a goal, then that means you've got to have the discipline to do what it takes to get, get there. So you're going to have to put pressure on discipline. Amen. So, it, you know, it's not, it's not easy. You know, uh, uh, was it about three years ago I decided I wanted to lose weight? I weighed about 175 pounds. I said, I want to lose weight. And, uh, you know, I wasn't real big, but I, was, I, was, I wasn't healthy. And so I... Um, Changed the way I ate. I stopped eating carbs and sugar, and I started working out twice a day for an hour and a half in the morning, hour and a half in the evening. By one month, I had lost from a size 12 to a 14 down to an 8. I was in single digits again. <laughs> but that took discipline of every day. Did I want to do it every day? Heck no. I did not. I wanted, I wanted to eat a cookie <laughs> real bad. Yes, but see, it took discipline. I'm like, if I, do I want this goal bad enough? Do I want it bad enough? And now I just have to be disciplined to um, continue in that. Amen? But it was a goal of mine, and I reached it because I, I was disciplined enough to really work on it. I know what it takes for me to, to get there. And I didn't want to do it, but I wanted the results. Does that make sense, y'all, for your goals? So you got to write it. Once you write it, I remember one time I took my, my face and put it on a real skinny girl. <laughs> And put it on the refrigerator. So every time I go to the refrigerator, nope, that's what I want. So, yeah. So you have to do whatever works for you. So, all right. So here's something that I want you to know. You have to make yourself vulnerable to write it. Write that down. You have to make yourself vulnerable in order to write the vision. You know, writing that and putting it up made me kind of vulnerable. That's my dream. That's what God has spoken over my life. So I had to kind of, you know, be willing to let people say, whatever. You in a storefront over an humble, really? You know, but the spirit of God is going to do it. Amen. But, but I had to make myself vulnerable to put it out there and to write it. So you have to kind of, you have to kind of be willing to be bold and make yourself a little bit vulnerable. Does that make sense to you? But then you know what? Guard who you show it to. Don't be trying to show it to haters and think they're going to yeah. rejoice with yeah. you. If you know they're a hater, don't share. The Bible says don't cast your pearls before swine. Right. You know, if you know they're not going to, uh, don't show it to them. Show it to people at church. Show it to people who have the same mindset who will encourage you. Amen? All right, then you got to strengthen yourself to hold on to it. Number two. So the first thing you got to do is what? Second thing you got to do is declare it. Declare. So you got to document it, number one. Number two, you got to declare it. So God is calling. Here's, I just want everybody to get finished writing and declare it. I'm going to say this because this is from the Lord. God is calling your mouth upward. Let's go to another level of our mouth. David said, I have set a guard. I will set a watch on the door of my mouth, of my lips. He set a, a guard. I'm setting a watch. See, most of the time we'll just say anything and not even pay attention to what that word is that we just said. Now, I'm not talking about cuss words. I'm talking about words that carry death. You know, words are containers. They carry life or they carry death. A word is a seed. And it's a container. You'll have whatsoever you say. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. When God told Abraham he was going to be the father of a great nation, 
He changed his name from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. So every time he heard his name, he heard the truth of what God said. So he was hearing, every time he heard his name, he was hearing father of a multitude, father of a multitude. Everybody was speaking that over him. Amen. So what you say out of your mouth, it really matters. Your, your mouth has the ability to steer your life to that new level. Romans 4.17 says, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist. Y'all quiet. Help me preach this morning. Look, Romans 4.17, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Underline that. Calls those things which do not exist as though they did. See, God, when, when, when he looked into the darkness, he did not say, Sure, I can hear. He didn't get into agreement with the darkness, but he said, let there be light. So he looked into the darkness, defied it, and called light to be. And see, we're made in his image and in his likeness. You have to remember that, that your words are not just words, but they are creators. It's going to create death or life in your life. So 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I, we also believe, and therefore speak. So because we believe that God's word is true, God's word is powerful, when we speak it and declare it over our lives, it will come to pass. Amen? We believe, therefore we speak. It don't make no sense, but I'm still saying what God says. It don't look like nothing, but I'm declaring it is something. It looks like a mess, but I'm declaring it's a message. I'm declaring God is doing something here. I declare that it's good and it's not bad, that God is going to make it work together for good. Amen? There's more with me than there are against me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm speaking and declaring what I want and not what I see. Come on, Pastor. Amen. Proverbs 18, 21. Read it with me. Death and life are in the power of the what? Of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You're going to live what it is you're talking. So let's take our mouths to another level. Let's really set a watch on our mouths. Husbands and wives, y'all ought to hold each other accountable for your words. That's your faith partner. Oh, don't say amen too loud. Punch him. Just punch him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> amen. Amen. But you've you got to get an agreement about what you're going to speak and what you're not going to speak. Because when you speak, you're declaring something um, you know, over a situation. It's what you're going to have. You'll have whatsoever you say. We have to really get a revelation. Just pray that God will give you a revelation on your words. Amen. So December is going to be declared December. So we're going to be all over it. So it's not an, just enough to know the will of God. You have to declare it. You have to speak it. It doesn't do any good to think it and to know it. You're just thinking about getting in faith. You're just thinking about it. But when you speak it, that's, that's, see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes to me as I hear the word of God. Today, faith, the spirit of faith is coming to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes to me as I hear, but faith is released by the words of my mouth. When I, when I really have heard it enough that I believe it, and when you get a revelation that you re, what, you ha, what you say really does make a difference, that's when you really are in faith. That's when you've really arrived, when you really know that your words really make a difference. 
faith is released by the words of your mouth. Faith is released when I put my mouth on it and I begin to speak God's word. Mark eleven twenty two, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever does what? Thinks to this mountain. Whoever thinks about the mountain. Whoever talks about the mountain. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, would y'all underline that, whoever says to this mountain, because we might be talking too much about the mountain and not talking to it. So you're created to speak to stuff. See, when God got through making everything, he created man and woman and put them in the garden. He, God didn't name the animals. He said, Adam, whatever you call it, that's what it's going to be. Because he created us to be speaking spirits. So he told Adam, name it. Whatever you name it, that's what it's going to be. Amen. So he put us in charge of the earth with our mouths. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in the heavenlies. Whatever you Loose on earth is loosed in the heavenlies. And when you read that in the Amplified, it says declare to be improper. Or you declare it to be proper. Whenever, whatever you declare, yeah. amen. That's the binding and the loosing. Yeah. That's the binding and the loosing is us using our mouths. But look what it says here. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, He will have whatever he says. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, underline this, believe that you receive them. Believe that you receive them. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. I've read the scripture so many times, but that really was revelation knowledge to me last week. I mean, I've heard it and I knew it, but it clunked into my spirit. Believe that you receive them. Once you believed it and you receive it in your spirit and you start speaking on it, that's where the power is at right there. When you really believe, it's already mine. Because you're going to say it with a different little skip in your step. You're going to say it with your shoulders held back and your head held high. Amen? You really believe that thing. All right, so what was number one? Number two. And number three is don't quit it. So document it, declare it, and don't quit it. So no matter what comes, no matter what happens, with some Allison, did you get a a, a, note, a note sheet, a welcome packet? Get, get her a pen and a. There you go. Uh, what you call it? Clipboard. Clipboard. Amen. Praise God. All right. So don't quit it. Don't you dare give up. I found these yesterday in my office. My first pastor had a note. Well, when you walk in the church, it would say, expect a miracle. Above the stage, it said, expect a miracle. And when you left, it, it would say on the back, a big old, old banner on the back, it says, nothing is too hard for God. And then by the time you got to the door to leave, there was this one sticker that said, don't quit. Don't quit. So I want everybody to take a don't quit sticker today home with it. It still says FCI Church, which was my old church name, but uh, that's okay. Take the don't quit sticker, stick it in your Bible, stick it on your refrigerator, stick it on your dashboard, stick it on your forehead, stick it wherever you got to put it so that you don't forget, just don't quit. If you just keep going, you're going to win. You know how many times I wanted to quit over the last 15 years? A bunch of them. But I'm just too tenacious. 
I'm just, I'm just too tenacious. When somebody tells me I can, I'm like, you better watch me. Because that's just who I am. I'm not going to quit. You can't get, you couldn't pay me to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to see the power of God come to pass my life. He said it. He said it. And that's enough. It's going to happen. Amen. And so I want everybody to take one of these stickers today, a don't quit sticker, because, you know, that's the will of God for our lives, that we don't quit. Abraham and Sarah were successful having a baby because... They just didn't give up. Look at Hebrews 11, 11 through 12. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age. So she received strength to conceive a seed. Come on, Pastor. She received physical strength to conceive a seed. Her body was past the age. God put that thing in reverse. And cause her body to be able to bear a child. And Abraham, unable to do anything. God, God reversed that thing on their life. God can reverse it. Amen. God can reverse anything. If he can cause an old couple to have a baby. I mean, just the process to make one. It wasn't immaculate conception. Just the process to make one was miraculous. That was the miracle, wonder-working power of God. But it was 25 years in the making. Abraham was 75 when God called him out of earth. 75, he was already old. They were already old when God told them the promise, and they said, okay, let's go do this, God. Let's go. Let's do it. Already 75 years old, but he was 100 years old before the baby manifested. Come on. Come on, don't 25 you. years. I said, Jesus, please don't let it be 25 years. <laughs> but if it is, it is. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So it says, she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Don't forget who promised. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. Come on, he's, he's alive forevermore. The one who was and is and is to come. The Alpha, the Omega, the great I Am has promised. He's able to do it. Amen. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. We are part of that sand number. We are Abraham's seed. So it was a 25-year process. Hunt your neighbor and say, it's a process. So don't trip if it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. All right, number three, processing for new levels. Because you have to learn to process some stuff process some stuff. Number one is processing time. You, if, if it's going to take a minute, you got to learn how to process time. We don't like to process time, especially in the year of our Lord 2018. We don't like to wait for nothing. Make me wait. I'll show you that I'm saved. <laughs> Amen. We don't like to wait for anything, but we have to learn to process time because our timing is not God's timing. Amen. The vision is yet for an appointed time. 
First Samuel 1.20 says, So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel. He was the prophet Samuel that she bore. She prayed and asked God for a, a son. She was unable to have children. Her, you know, uh, the other wife, the sister wife, had a bunch of kids and you know, used to make fun of her. But, you know, Hannah went and prayed, and, and uh, the, the man of God got in agreement with her and said, it's going to happen. Go on home and be happy. Eat. Wash your face. It's going to happen. She went home joyful. She received that thing at the altar. She, re- she received it. But it, she had to process time. Said she went home. She didn't have a baby that day, right? But it says, so it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel. So we have to learn how to process time just like Abraham did. See, it kind of goes like this. I wrote this down for you on your note sheet so you could look at it. It starts with the promise. God gives us a promise or he gives us a word or prophetic word. Then we get all excited, don't we? We get real excited. At the first of the year, we get real excited about what the word is. Incredible breakthrough. Woohoo! And then by March, we've forgotten it. Not this past year, amen. We knew it was an incredible breakthrough all year because we stayed on that thing, right? All right, so we get excited after we hear the promise. And then comes the waiting. The waiting. And the waiting. And the waiting, Asario. Then more waiting. Just when we think it's time, there's more waiting. And then guess what? More waiting. And in the waiting time, we can begin to doubt. And if you say you don't doubt, you are lie. Testing. Testing comes. Testing comes. Will you be faithful? Will you still believe? When everything looks backwards, when it looks like God's changed his mind, then there's the refining Some tests you go through that really polish you up. Some are like sandpaper. But some, you know, submit to it. Submit to it. If you find yourself in a trial, I'm not not saying I want this thing to stay around, but Lord, polish me up. Let me come out of this thing better. Let Let me come out of this thing a better human being, more like Jesus. This is going to work together for my good. It may look like there's nothing good about it. But God, somehow this is working your glory through me. (laughs) And then there's fulfillment. So there'll be a day of rejoicing. It's coming. It's coming. And these present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. You know, there's some promises we'll wrestle down from heaven. Yeah, Jacob held on to God. He said, I'm not going to let go till you bless me. Amen. So there's something you just got to hold on and wrestle. Amen. <laughs> just hold on. Don't let go. <laughs> and then there's the five expectations of faith. When you release your faith, I don't want you all to fill in all these blanks, so I just gave them to you. I give them to you about three or four times a year so you can remember you don't have erroneous expectations. But this is when I get into faith, look, I'm believing God for something. I'm believing I'm be- I've released my faith for God to do something in my life. Okay, I can expect a plan of action, or I can expect the wisdom of God. I can expect the favor of God to show up on my behalf. 
I can expect a miracle if I need it. You know God is still a miracle-working God. He can do the stuff that we cannot do. He is a miracle, and we can expect a miracle, and then we can expect strength to endure. You need strength to hold on to that thing and not give up. Spiritual strength, Isaiah 25, 9, says, look at what's happened. This is our God. We waited for him, and he what? showed up. He will show up and saved us. This God, the one we waited for, let's celebrate. Sing the joys of his salvation. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who do what? Wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him will gain new strength and renew their power. What? Gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their, lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. So there's a strength from God that comes when you trust in him, when you cling to him, when you hang on and just keep wrestling that thing. Habakkuk 2.3 says, for the vision is what? Yet for an appointed time, but at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And I really like that part that says, but at the end, it will speak. At the end, it will speak. Underline that. At the end, it will speak. Yep, I've been telling y'all for how many years about this? For 15 years, I've been declaring this is what God's going to do in my life. I've been declaring it. I've been speaking it. I've been doing my part. But you know what? There's a day coming. I ain't going to have to say nothing. I'm not going to have to say nothing. It's going to talk for me. Hallelujah. That thing you've been believing for, you've been declaring it, it's going to talk for you when it shows up. Ooh, I know I'm preaching good. <laughs> You're not going to have to talk. It's going to talk for you. Why? Because he'll show up. He gives me new strength. Glory to God. So the first one was processing what? Time. The second one is processing thoughts. So you got to learn to process time, and you got to learn to process your thoughts. You know, we don't think enough about what we think about. You got to keep your mind right. Turn to your neighbor and say, You got to do something about your mind. Look at 2 Corinthians 10 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So if you've got to judge if a thought is to be brought into captivity or not, that means you have to examine what your thoughts are. Amen? All right. I need five uh, people. I, let, me, let me call them out. I want Pastor Robert. I want Pastor Carolyn. I want Miss Toby. Um, are you okay? Is your foot, will your foot make it? Okay. Kenta. Nick. How many is that? One, two, three, four. Okay, so that's five. Okay, Mom, come and stand over here. No, you come and stand right here. You come and stand right here. You stand right here, okay? And then you come and stand over here. All right. So y'all switch places. Okay, so you hold this. All right. You hold this. You hold this. You hold this. And you hold this. Hold it kind of turn, turn towards you. Okay, so... We have to process our thoughts. 
okay? What's a stronghold? Does anybody know what a stronghold is? We just talked about strongholds in that scripture. The power of God for pulling down strongholds. Does anybody know what a stronghold is? Look right there what it says. It's mental thought patterns erected against the true knowledge of God or what God's real will is for your life. Because you can get used to live in a certain way and thinking a certain way that you don't realize you have a stronghold. If you're thinking fleshly or you're thinking, you know, emotionally all the time, you, you are led by your emotions, that's a stronghold. All right, Pastor. Because emotions are a terrible taskmaster, but they're a great tool. Amen. All right, so let's look here. Decisions are made through our thinking, and life is made up of our choices. So, Miss Toby, turn this around. Let's look at the committee of the mind. This is the committee of the mind. First, before there is your mind, so everybody can see, is your will. Inside of you, there is a will. It's part of your soul. It's your will. My first pastor's wife used to call it your chooser. Remember that, Jack? She would say, your chooser, it's right here. Am I going to choose spirit or am I going to choose flesh? How am I going to react to this situation? Am I going to jump out the car and beat somebody up? Or am I going to choose the spirit? <laughs> what am I going to do? Amen. There's a chooser right here, and I have to on purpose select spirit. Otherwise, I'll go to default settings, and I'll jump out the car and rip somebody's face off. Everybody get that? So this is my chooser. I have to choose to be spirit led. Amen. So my will chooses, but there's a deliberation that goes on at the conference table. So let's just say that Miss Toby is the will. She is the chooser. She is going to choose between which voice is the strongest in her head. So we have the first mind is the logical mind. This is the mind that thinks about statistics, thinks about, um, you know, logic. It presents reasoning and statistics. And then there is number two, the emotional mind. Oh, my gosh. The emotional mind will always be based on feelings and a range of emotions. Everybody see that? All right. Then there is the fleshly mind. It's also known as the carnal mind. The Bible says that the carnal mind is the enemy of God. The carnal mind, that blows me away when I think that my mind can become the enemy of God. My mind, what I think. If I think carnal and fleshly, I become the enemy of God. That means that my thoughts are pretty important, right? And that I should get a hold of any thinking that's fleshly or carnal, right? I should get a hold of that. I should work. Okay, wait a minute. Was that, what what was that? Was that carnal? Jump out to be, was that, yeah, that's carnal. That's flesh. I got to take that thought and put it on the shelf. That's not the best thought for my life. Amen. All right. And then the, um, the next one is the spiritual mind. I keep saying that because I'm picking on Murray. (laughs) We, we, he almost jumped out of the car the other day because this guy was being a real creep. He was, he was picking a fight with my hubby, and you don't want to pick a fight with my hubby. <laughs> but we're working on it, right, babe? <laughs> we're working on it. Yeah, I had a whole time. I grabbed him by the arm like, babe, no, no, it's not what we do. Okay, he put it in drive, and we went. Okay, but then there is the spiritual mind, and the spiritual mind comes to the table saturated and influenced by the Word of God. Amen. Y'all pay attention. Pay attention. So whichever one has dominant exposure to the will, the will of man is going to, whichever one has dominant exposure to the will is the one that's going to win. Whichever one is the most powerful. 
is going to cause the will to choose it. Because God created you with a chooser. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life. Amen? So you have a right to choose death, and you have the right to choose life. So, but, but see, if, if you're in the flesh, your will doesn't have a chance. If you, come, you, only, you only come to church once a month, you're not hearing the word come across the pulpit, you ain't been on the prayer call, you know, you, you, you're not reading the Bible, you're not praying. Does your will have anything to work with? Uh-uh. you got to saturate. you got to saturate so the spirit becomes the most dominant voice talking to your will because your will is your chooser. Everybody see that? Okay, so like here's an example. We get a bad doctor report. Logic says, you're going to die. Nine out of ten people die from this. You're going to die. die. Your logic tells the will. And the will says, okay, gets in agreement with it and prepares to die. If that's the most dominant voice. And then emotions says, I had a feeling this was going to happen. Come on, because with the emotions, the emotions lead. The emotional side of you leads you in life. Leads your thinking. It says, um, it posts on Facebook and, and, and posts so you can get everybody to feel sorry for you. See, it's about, it's about your feelings. So the will chooses to throw a fit. Drama. Throw a, I'm going to throw a fit. Like a two-year-old, I'm going to throw a fit. I'm surprised at the adults that I see throwing fits and acting so ridiculous. Well, it's because you, you, your spirit, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, the spirit. Because your spirit is not growing. Your spirit is, is not mature yet. So you get in your emotions and throw a fit. Act a fool. I'm going to die. You're going ready to know. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. But y'all see what I'm saying? So so when you get all in your emotions, the will chooses that and, and gets all emotional. And then flesh. Here's flesh, the fleshly mind. This is the carnal mind. This is where the devil gets in and talks to you and says, you deserve this. God's punishing you because he don't love you. He's punishing you because you know what you did five years ago? I know you asked for forgiveness, but God didn't forget that. That's where the devil starts talking to you. See, that's, that's the enemy of God. That's the enemy of God. Hmm. And so... But the spirit man rises up and begins to start talking the word. You know what we're going to do? We're going to stand in faith. He's talking to the will, saying, we're going to stand in faith, will. We're going to stand in faith. We will live and not die, and we will declare the works of the Lord. By his stripes, we are healed. Amen. And so begins to say, the doctors will be amazed. I will be the only person in the history books that this has ever been healed from this disease. Amen. Your, Your spirit, right? This is a spirit that's been saturated in the word of God. And on your toes, amen, coming to church every week, on the prayer call every morning, you know, praying, reading the word, saturated, listening to CDs or listening to YouTube videos of of preachers preaching. Amen. You're saturated in the word of God. So your will's got a chance to choose to be spirit led. Amen. See, the will makes the choice about which voice is most reliable. Another example is you lose your job. Logic does the math. Come on. Logic is doing the math down there. Oh, my God. 
you're going to get evicted. You, 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 you're going to lose your car. Logic says you're not going to have enough. That's what logic says. That's left God out of the equation. You know, if this got to me, it had to go through God first. Come and God on. had to say, yes, okay, you can, you can handle it. Amen? So, so then emotions throws a fit. Emotions throws a fit. The kids are not going to get any Christmas. Amen. And you know what? Sometimes your fit throwing is just manipulation. Sometimes you just throw in a fit so you can get your way. You know, if you, if you raise enough of a ruckus and you act enough of a fool, people will listen to you and pe- people will just to shut you up. <clears throat> All right, Pastor. Let that sink in for a minute. You reverences. Well, because it's just time to grow up. Amen. Glory. It's time to grow, to come out of that level and say, I'm growing. I'm going to grow. I'm going to choose to grow. I'm not going to be offended by this message either. All right. Come on, Pastor. This is God talking. Amen. Amen. I got the mic, but God is the one talking to you. Amen. He tailor makes a message for every person. Hallelujah. All right. So emotions is throwing a fit. Kids are not going to get it at Christmas. Oh, what am I going to do? Flesh says nobody else is going to hire me. God is mad at me. I deserve this. The devil's gotten in and talked him out of believing God for anything. All right? And then the Spirit says, I am a tither and a giver. God's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He is Jehovah Jireh. He will not leave me stranded. Because I'm a tither and a giver, he, he, he said the, the vine will not fail to produce for yeah. me. I've all got right. to have a vine. Where's my Hallelujah. next vine? This is going to work together for good for me. Yeah. Somehow, this is going to lead me to a better job, a bigger yeah. job, more benefits, yeah. better coworkers, people I like working with. It'll yeah. be short. I won't have such a drive. Hallelujah. Yeah, so you begin talking the word, and the will says, yeah. I'm going to go along with that rather than cry and throw a fit. Amen. Amen. Let's go with that. When you let your spirit rise up, amen, you make the choice to do that. That's how you're going to win. So does everybody see that? Give your spirit man something to fight with so your will can make the right choice. Everybody got that? Y'all give give God some praise and thank my, my, my helpers here. All right, praise the Lord. So set your mind on spiritual things, the, the Bible says. Romans 5, 8, 5 through 8. It says, for those who live according to the what? Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the, the things of the spirit. The Bible says, set your mind and keep it set on what's above and not what's below. Set your mind and keep it set. So you can't just set it one time. you got to keep resetting your mind. Amen? All right? It says, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is what? Enmity or the enemy against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So let's give our spirit something to fight with. Amen? So our will can make the right choice, the spirit choice for our lives. Amen. All right, then the very last thing, I'll talk real quickly about this, is processing trials. The first one was what? Time. Processing time. Processing thoughts. Processing thoughts. Now, processing trials. You know what? I went to, to uh, minister at Chick Chat, Chick Chack, Chick, Chick Chat <laughs> um, a couple of Saturdays ago. Um, 
you know, one of the things they asked me was, um, let's see, it was about, I can't remember what the, what the, the title was, but, um, oh, what, what is it that makes you unstoppable? Because it was about the unstoppable woman was the title of the, of the thing, what makes you unstoppable. And one of the things that makes you unstoppable in life is that when you experience a trial, notice I didn't say if you experience a trial, because Jesus said, I've told you this so that in me you might have perfect peace, undisturbed peace. In this life, you will have tribulation and trial and stuff that's unexpected will pop up in your life that you never saw coming. It is coming. You are going to have some trials in your life. So it's not if, but when you have trials in your life, you have to be able to get up from the wreckage and move on and keep going. You have to be able to process trials. It is not the end of the world. I know when I first got saved, I thought, well, all my troubles are over. I thought, this is going to be easy street. The trouble had just begun. <laughs> Amen. Because God, God's got to grow us up, and sometimes trials is the best way to, to grow us up. I'm not saying God causes them, but he allows them. And so you've got to learn to get up from the wreckage and move forward with your life. You lost a job, okay, oh, well, let's go, let's move. What's the next thing? I'm not going to be so down about that that I never can move past it. Go through a divorce, okay? It wasn't, I didn't go into this thing thinking I would get divorced, but here I am. Move forward from it. Get up and go on with your life. I still believe in happily ever after, and I'm glad I did because happily ever after came along. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But you have to be able to get up from the wreckage and keep moving forward. Bad, something bad happened. Okay. It happened. I can't change it. I got to put that behind me, and I got to go. Keep, keep moving forward. Put it in the rear view and keep going. Amen? Amen. So you have to learn to process trials for what they are. It is not the end of the world. And that's the first thing we think. I ain't going to make it through this. Yes, you are. Amen. You are going to make it through this. Some people say, but peace out, you understand. Yes, I do. I've had my share. Amen. God's a good God. He said, but cheer up. I've overcome the world. I've deprived it of power to harm you. I have deprived it of power to harm you. Cheer up. Cheer up. When you find yourself in a trial, the Bible says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. How am I going to count it all joy? I am in a trial. I am in a mess and bad stuff is going on. He says, count it all joy because your patience is being tested. And when you let patience have its perfect work, you become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So perfect and complete does not come without trials. You've got to change the way you're looking at them. Amen. Change the way you're looking at that trial. Okay, I'm a little closer to perfect, a little closer to mature. <laughs> Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word.